0: Welcome, guys, to Self-Evident Podcast number 58. What's up? I'm Mike. This is Massey. What's up? We're back again. If you noticed, last week, we talked about leadership. This week, we're talking about... Leadership. Absolutely. We're going to do a short series, and what this series is really aimed at is to help give you guys information about what makes a good leader. Um, both for yourself and for the people over you. You know, this week we are getting into biblical last week. We kind of talked about testimony, about personal experience yes, accounts, right? You know, this week it's, what does the Bible say? What does scripture say? What does the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ say about leadership? Yep. You know, we're going to include things about Paul, some of the other apostles. This is our chance to really put into motion, you know, we you and I, just before we started recording, we were talking about government and politics and politicians and the presidential nomination. What's really going on is you're nominating a leader.
1: You are. Unfortunately, yes. A leader that um, is, is kind of the face of the nation. You know, the president really presides over all things. Yeah. You know, he can't make law. Uh, unfortunately, today we've made, we've made the, the, the president a king. And, and yeah. we've, we've talked about this a million times. You guys know if you've watched this long enough. But really what you're selecting is leaders uh, that represent your values. They represent who you are uh, to a nation. And so that's why you see such division. Um, there's, there's some on the left or the, the extreme left or whatever you want to say that they look at Donald Trump and they see him as this most vile person that ever existed. Uh, when President Obama was in office, the right was very much along the same line. This guy is the most vile person that ever existed. And uh, ironically, they're both in their own mental capacity. Right. The right praises of Donald Trump because, Hey, he gets things done. Right. And the left praised Obama because, Hey, he got things done. And both of them say for us. And so what we're doing is selecting leaders. And I believe it, I can't remember if it was John Jay or Joseph story. No, it was John Jay. He said, Providence has given to their people, the choice of their rulers. And it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. Now, I know that we can also see some leaders that aren't Christian to be in there. But really why he said that, I believe, and this, this is my interpretation. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking this as a for sure, but when I read that quote, it's not just saying Christians are the only one that can lead because anybody can say they're Christian. It's, the, it's the, the, the leadership within them. It's the character within them. That's the word. It's the character within them that can lead. And so you look at a guy like a Donald Trump. I'm not defending him, but let's get real here, guys. Folks, we didn't, we didn't elect a pastor. We didn't elect a spiritual leader. We didn't elect someone who will stand uh, for the cross and know how to preach the gospel. That's not what we elected. We didn't elect a guy who regularly attended church, by my knowledge. Uh, we didn't elect a guy who we know is really great at family. He's had a few divorces, right? I mean, I'm talking about his past. I'm not, I'm not saying, no, I'm sure he's a great dad. I'm sure he's a great guy. But we we, we did elect a business guy. We did elect someone yeah. who can compromise, who's good at talking, who knows how to pit people against each other. He knows how to create a war. And guess who's the answer at the end of that war? Trump. He always comes up with an answer. Uh, We did elect a guy who is really passionate about the conservative side of the values in a lot of ways, you know, lowering taxes, all these other things, abortion, which, I mean, he's very public about Israel. A lot of people were really big on the Israel thing, right? We elected that kind of a guy. And so the question is, when he's done, what do we elect in his place? Do we elect someone who is a good moral leader, who can tame their tongue, who can do all these things? And if we're going to elect that, just know who you're electing. Like, what's yeah. the character like?
0: Yeah, and that's when you're when you're electing a leader. A lot of times, people have saying have talked about how at this point, you know, who's really taken. On this challenge of becoming elected, yep and a lot of times it's people with self-interest it's it's greedy people it's it we we tend to think that it's the wicked who rise to the top and that's not necessarily wrong, but at the same time there are people with quality there are people with abilities and character that are important to follow and when we're looking at leadership you know when you look at leaders yeah. A lot of times we think, well, you're either a follower or a leader, but right, maybe you're right. a leader under other leaders for a period of time. Exactly. And when you're when you're following, you you've got to understand who is the leader that's over you and what are they conveying.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, are you are you going to follow that and are you going to learn from that and be mentored by that, or are you going to follow somebody else? Like, is it good leadership or is it bad leadership? And one of the things is when you notice our nation, you notice. And and this is biblical too. A nation follows its leader. Totally. So when when our nation followed somebody like Obama, the values that Obama brought forth, the the administration values, the the focus of the administration, the focus of Obama himself, yeah. it percolates down into the society and the culture. And it, it's given kind of this rise up. It's the same thing with Trump. Now you'll you'll have People who will say, "Ah, well, Trump's a white supremacist and a Nazi, and that's who's rising to the to the top." And I wouldn't say that. What I would say is, what's rising more up and getting voice is this patriotic conservative, you know, which we're not equating to white Nazis. No, 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 no. They're they're much different, right? Much different. I think
1: too, freedom of speech is what's rising. Yeah, you know, people are open to speak. I'm not saying they're all right. I'm not saying that everything that someone says because of this guy is right. Yeah, uh, quite far from it. I think there's a lot of voices that are full of dissension. You know, um, a lot of people who are hopping on a bandwagon. And, dude, you can't tell me that nobody gains from being president. Yeah, It's just it comes with the territory. People are like, oh, Obama, look at him. He's a millionaire now. Well, yeah, it comes with the territory. OK, yeah. he's, he's a famous it's, guy. He's a former president. They're going to pay him a ton of money to go speak like you're judging the guy by making money. But we're not doing you know what I mean? We're not doing that yeah. to Trump. And Trump's going to gain from this, too. That's Absolutely. A, it's, it's inevitable, though. Absolutely. It's inevitable. You're, you're a public figure. People pay for that kind of stuff. You know what yes. I mean? So it's not like we're trying to say that, uh, you know, here's one thing I don't want to do in this program. OK, I'm even careful with my posts. And I've done it a few times. I flirted the line. I don't want to judge people by the intentions. I don't know them. Yeah. What do I know? You know what I mean? I, but. When there's evidence of that intention, of course, all day long, I'm going to expose it. The fruit. The fruit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But to, to judge someone's intention or, you know, to, to judge why someone does something, that's that's pretty far-fetched. You don't know. You, you don't know why people do it. Yeah. Right? Uh, this whole thing about President Trump, you know, he's like a selfish, he's a millionaire, he's keeping all his money, tax, tax, whatever. Dude, there's so many good stories about the dude who's helped people on the side yeah. of the road, He's flown kids. You know that needed. I, I don't know, like f- transplants and stuff like that. Yeah. Like gave, uh,
0: gave a woman uh, free rent in one of his towers for like twenty years.
1: Yeah, twenty years. Yeah. Or, or Jim Kelly, the former quarterback for the for the Bills, uh, cancer and and Trump housed him. You know, what yeah. I mean, like all those things because he was the owner of a uh, US uh, USFL league and and That's Jim right. Kelly was a quarterback. Yeah. So like. It just you know, you hear these stories too, and it's like, what does he have to gain from that? Nobody knew
0: about it except them. That's the thing, it it doesn't get publicized, it doesn't get promoted. Sure. So,
1: like, what does he have to gain? Dana White, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, the UFC wouldn't be where it's at. He gave him their first push. Yeah. So it's like you don't hear those stories, but you'll hear about all the stuff he does. Well, it's like, okay, cool. That's in his character, that's in his nature. Doesn't negate the fact the guy has a heart and he can do stuff. Same thing with President Obama. Do I believe it was it was wicked what he of course. 100%, 100%, we exposed it, uh, pushing the gay agenda, all these things. And listen to me. If you're gay, that's fine. But when you push an agenda down my throat and you tell me I have to be silent about it, that's where you start violating my rights. And I don't like that. And you know what? Homie going to push back against it because I have the liberty to speak against it. I have the liberty to preach against it. And I will, right? If you want to be that, that's cool, man. It's on you. And trust me. Trust me. You can ask anybody you know or I know. can I ask anybody that you know that knows me. I don't have a, like, I don't have a personal vendetta against gay people. Yeah. I have a personal vendetta to preach the gospel to sinners, and sinners are the ones that need Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ can redeem any soul from sin, whether it's an abortion uh, clinic person, whether it's a manager of an abortion clinic, whether it's a person who's had an abortion, whether it's a murderer, a liar, a thief, whatever, a gay person, whatever, right? They have the ability to be saved, but I'm not going to sit here and judge intentions because I don't know you. I don't know you, and I think that's the biggest problem right now with leadership. As we're talking about leadership, leaders do, if you're a true leader, you're not going to judge intention, you're going to judge fruit. And I people that call themselves leaders start to judge intentions. That's where they start. You know what that is? It's immaturity. Yeah. They're not leaders.
0: And and the fruit of something, right? So a leader will have faith in their people, right? Absolutely. And, and an encouragement, positive, um, optimistic outlook on their people, right? And as their people walk through and their people move forward, right? They're they're looking at okay, what is the fruit? What is the the result of what this person 100%. is doing? Yep. Now, it, if Let's say you know, for instance, at the church, if I don't communicate with you what exactly I'm doing, then you're going to have to guess at my intentions, right? Now that could be good or bad, but there's also the side of fruit that you can look at, the the side of results, and go, okay, I see what he was doing there. Hundred percent, you know, and and a good leader is willing to look at the fruit and the result of what somebody's doing. And if they need to correct the intention, correct the process, that's fine. But instead of judging completely on intention of what we think the person in the, is intending with what they're doing, you know, and, and a lot of people have intentions that never get actualized. 100%. You, know, you and I were talking about that earlier. The, the intentions never get actualized or, or a misty, out there ethereal intention of like oh i'd like to see this but there's no movement towards it that means there's no fruit towards it that's right yeah which then the fruit proves the the answer yeah and the
1: person that wants something misty-eyed is not a leader like you lose credibility Mm -hmm. with people like look whatever side you're on about this whole coronavirus thing yeah that that doctor dude i can't remember there was like a little piece where he was like if if there's actually a real epidemic that's going to happen i'm not going to know because the press blows up everything he said, yeah. "There's it's a boy who cried wolf syndrome. He's right. Do we really know that this is an epidemic? I don't know. I don't, whatever side you're on. I haven't done my homework on it. To me, it's a farce. Um, you know, there's more people die from, from from car accidents. You know what I mean? Like, th- to me, the epidemic is, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say old people. Actually, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Old people on the street sometimes. You know what I mean? Forgive me if you're old and you can drive. You,
0: you got to understand, we live, we live on in the east coast of Florida, This is old people central on the highways, and you can say I'm
1: judging intentions. I'm judging fruit, y'all. Yeah, fruit. They're scary. (laughs) That's scary down here. You can't
0: wait for the snowbirds to leave. (laughs) Fly back north for the love of God. Yes,
1: yes, yes. But (laughs) to that point, it's it's that idea that if you have an idea without the action plan, you're going to lose credibility with people, and that's what happens. We need to fix the environment, and you know what their whole solution is money.
0: Yeah, not not a plan five pages for the green new deal. You know, like this is our vision. This is our vision yeah. for America. You put it into five pages and it basically said, how are you going to pay for it? Text the rich.
1: Yeah. tax rich. And then when they do put a plan together and it gets challenged, Right. When they do they, put a plan. collapse. Yeah. Well, they collapse or they're, you know, it's it's like they, they can't defend their thesis. No. Right. So it's like, well, we're going to get rid of all fossil fuel cars. We're going to have electric cars. And then you say, well, did you know electric cars can have just as so much damage to, to the environment, yeah. if not worse sometimes than an actual vehicle of its, of, its, of its capability? And then they start to fold. And it's like, well, now nah, you're just you just hate the environment. You know, they, <laughs> I, they
0: fold. I got to pick pick that apart a little bit. Um, just side trail. And then we're getting into leadership, darn it. Um, I think this, we're doing it now. This whole idea of, of we have to bring every single building in America up to code or build new buildings. <laughs> okay, let's, let's just tease that apart a tiny bit. You're trying to do this for the environment. So now you've ordered a construction project that affects every single building in the U.S. How much diesel do you think you've got to use for the trucks to move the materials... For the equipment on the job site, right? Right. You see <laughs> and where how I'm many going? new resources new, have to be used. Yeah. How many new resources, how much iron has to be pulled out of the ground, right? To make the steel and the iron and, and you know, you're you're down to the idea of like you've got to cut down swaths of trees in order to fulfill this lumber yeah, quota. Dude. Let alone moving it across rails and across trucks and across airplanes and boats. But oh wait, we can't use trucks or airplanes or trains or boats. <laughs> so how are we going to get it? Bad for the environment. How right, are we going right, to get right, it? Right, right, right. So that it goes back to okay, you have this misty-eyed vision. You're not being a leader because you're not thinking this through. Right, you're not counting you're, the cost. No, no, it, that's a great way to put it. Is you're not counting the cost. You're you're not investing in it and putting your own skin in the game because you're not counting the cost you're just going, well, we'll figure it out. Somebody else will figure this Which out. Which is
1: what government's been doing for years. Yeah. They've been do- they've been doing that for years. will just, you know, we'll just keep borrowing and eventually it will get paid off somehow. Like all of our payments are going to interest and we're not even covering that nut right no. now. You know what I mean? So anyways, let's go back since we have been talking about leadership and we have been really hitting on the on the issue of leadership. We it's easy to talk about Jesus as a leader. Jesus was not only a, a, an orator, which, you know, what was he, nine or 12 when he was first in the temples, and people yeah, were like marveled 12, yeah. at his knowledge, they marveled at his truth, they marveled at what he knew, right? So he was really good at that. Um, he was also a worker, man. He's a carpenter. Yeah. So he gave us the example of work. This is Jesus Christ, God on earth. He could have easily not worked, God could have easily provided for him, okay? Not the case. He worked. He was a carpenter. He was a Jew, right? And and he taught us by example that hey, you will have to work. So did Paul, right? And and others. I'm not just. I'm just using these two as a as a a good example. Not only was he a worker, and he was a part of the community, and he was obviously a, a great speaker. He he was a he was a he was a pastor. He was a pastor at heart. He loved his disciples. Yeah. He loved the people around him. You know how much he loved them everywhere he went. He went healing, which is an evangelistic type call too, mm-hmm. right? He cared about where people were at. He cared about listening to their story. When you see a woman who's about to get stoned because of her sin, right? You have he, the Bible says he had compassion on that woman. That's a pastor's heart. Yeah. The woman at the well. That's an evangelistic heart. Wait wait wait. Let me point out that stuff. You yeah. know, or when he went around healing the demoniac, right outside of it. Was it Achaia? Uh, and it got cast. Oh, the demons got cast into the pigs. That is an evangelistic. Like they have to do signs and wonders, right? Yeah. He was an apostle. He's all about building the kingdom of God. He kept teaching principles on building the kingdom of God, and he did it because he was the one that he also was a leader by knowing what temptation was. He suffered through temptation. The Bible said he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. God, Jesus was obviously the archetype of a leader. He was yeah. the epitome of a leader. Would never to, do something, tell someone to do something he wasn't able or willing to do um and all that stuff go ahead and
0: and you hit the point of you know he was both he is both king and high priest and the high oh, high priest, right? Point. High priest was always viewed as the leader of oh, the that's people, good, dude. right? And and you you made me think of that when you talked about he he went through every temptation, right? Hebrews talks about he went through that so that he could understand us, right? He could he could connect with us and understand our struggles, right? Which makes a more compassionate, understanding high priest when you have a leader over you. You have to have somebody who understands what you're going through right. and understands what you're doing. If you're out on the job site and you know your leader has has never understood, you know the the calluses on your hand or never understood right. the backbreaking nature of your work, you have a much harder time following that guy because it's like he doesn't know what I go through. Right. He doesn't understand this, right? Right. And and Christ was our high priest and was our king yet was a servant. And and I want to bring up, you know, Luke 22, uh, chapter 22. This gets into that idea of servanthood, Go for it. right? And so I'm just going to read, and there was also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Okay, so these are the disciples. They're arguing between each other. I'm the greatest, no, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, right? And I just imagine like the 12 of them walking down the road and Christ is listening to this just quiet, you know, hearing these guys bicker back and forth. And finally, you know, he says to him, it's almost like he turns around, okay. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? this is not the one who reclines at the table but i am among you as one who serves right so he's pointing out if you're a leader you're the biggest servant what what are you doing to serve the people 100% you? dude right and and he's pointing out that the gentiles right the 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 what we would call the pagan world the you know the non-believing world they lorded over each other I'm in charge of all of you, right? And we've all had that leader over us. Dude, I've had
1: him in church. Yeah,
0: yeah. It happens in church. Just this authoritarian, micromanaging, powerful, dominating presence of like, I'm in charge of you. Yep. Christ is saying, what you guys need to be are servants, a leader is the the greatest of leaders are the ones who serve those that they're over. Yep. How do they How do they help those that they're over move forward and grow? That's right. Right.
1: Well, he was a, he was probably the greatest empowerer that ever existed. So, like, what happens is he never gives a command. He's not going to empower. Mm-hmm. He's not going to tell them, "Hey, go follow the commandments." Without giving them the grace to empower themselves to overcome. That's Titus two. Yeah. Talks about that the grace of overcome teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldliness. He won't let us fall. Uh, Jude uh, twenty three. Uh, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling all these things right like he's given you there's he's providing a way of escape when you're under temptation the bible says so there's never a thing that he doesn't call us to where he doesn't empower us right if he says go and heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers all these things he breathes his holy spirit on us we're baptized in the holy spirit we have now the gifts of healing and miracles and signs and wonders and all these things tongues and all that right all that stuff still exists so the best leader is not one, the, the one who serves is the one who empowers mm-hmm. because they can sit there and point a, a thing at you, but the greatest leader will turn around and say, okay, what do you need to do that? Yeah. What do you need me to do? What do you need me to provide for you so that you can grow in this realm? That's what he did with the disciples. He didn't just tell them, hey, go out there in two by twos and have fun. You know, No, he kept them on the straight and narrow. He kept them in prayer. As a matter of fact, when he was about to get crucified, just before that, he's at there praying and he tells Peter, can't you watch me for an hour? You know what I mean? He's... Like He wants them to be in that realm that he is, right? Yeah. He was a servant, and he taught them how to do what he was doing. That's the greatest leader is teaching others how to do what you do and let them take it further. Mm-hmm. He did tell them, greater work shall you do than I did because I go into the Father. When, and, and I've used this point a hundred times. You know, like At the end of Luke or at the end of John when it says that not all the books in the world could contain the miracles he did, right? Well, if that's the case, then he empowered us to do the same. He, you know, when, when it says husbands loves your wife, love your wives as Christ of the church. We did this last week, right? He empowers us to do that. That's that's the epitome of a leader, right? And so it's easy to say, you know, like oh, Jesus is the leader. That's who we have to emulate. But have you really dug deep on on what you know the emulation of Christ really is? Yeah. Like, have you dug deep on that? Because, dude, he gave himself for the body. And he he, that's the greatest love.
0: He showed that. Oh, dude! it it wasn't a okay. Sacrifice yourself for me. Hey, I'm going to go have a cocktail on the beach, (laughs) which one way or another, we've all seen that. Right. Go sacrifice yourself by doing this 10 hours of backbreaking work while I go sit in the office for, you know, 10 hours in air conditioning. Right. We've all seen this. Yeah, we've seen it and we've experienced it, of course. Now, is there a time where, hey, I have other stuff to be doing? I need you to do this backbreaking work, of course. But getting into Christ, Christ showed everything. You know, you were talking about healing, casting out demons, right? Christ showed all of this. Christ did all of it. He did the dirty work. He did the groundwork, and then he calls us to say, "Give yourself as Christ gave Himself for the body." That's because He actually gave Himself for the body. He did the utmost sacrifice that anybody could do exactly. and he gave himself not just for people who loved him he gave himself for everybody who didn't love him
1: That's right which he said what 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 good is it to you if you love
0: those that love you back
1: How about love your enemy he said I, I can't even remember is that Romans it's like, what good is it, or is it John, first John, what good is it that you love your, 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 those that love you? Like, there's, there's nothing
0: new to that. Yeah. The real Christian, the real servant is loving those who don't love you. Which, that's a, that's a really good point, too, of like, a leader is willing to see beyond um, personal squabbles and relationship oh, squabbles. A leader will look at the people and go, it doesn't matter what's personal between us. It matters what's getting the what's vision the objective? done. What's the objective? Yeah, what right? are we doing? You and I will figure out our relationship squabbles yeah. later. We can still work together. That's right. And a good leader is willing to do that. That's
1: right. Right. And it does set aside that thing of the, called the flesh. Yeah. And, you know, it, the Bible says if you're in the spirit, you won't hate your brother. That's in First John. Like, how can he say he's of, of God and hate his brother? It's impossible. He's a murderer, the Bible says. Yeah. Right? And, and that's real, you guys. A hate or murder doesn't begin with the action. It begins with the intent. You know, and and only you know that, like when you have that kind of malice in your heart towards your brother, towards a person, that's just wrong, plain wrong. Right. But we can take this even a step further, because how did it apply to like a Paul? How did it apply to others in the Bible? Right. And you look at Christ and he never let himself, he never let his words get taken out of context. Matter of fact, he was really good. Everybody knows this, any pet preacher or any preacher that knows. Like he was so good at answering the Pharisees, like tough questions too, man. Yeah. Really, really tough ones. And it's like he would answer it with a question, like, what say you? Like, who do you think I am? And He would say that to the disciples. Who do you think I am? Well, you're the Christ. Well, Holy Spirit, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. Yeah. right? So if we can go to Paul for a minute, Paul had probably the coolest, and I think he had to. I think he had to remain blameless. Here's why. Because he persecuted the Christian. Yeah. So in his right, he was like, dude, people are going to be looking at me like a, they don't They don't trust me. Yeah. They don't trust that I'm a Christian. They don't trust that God's changed me. They don't trust the Damascus Road experience. They don't trust any of that stuff. They don't know. Like I'm telling them that I had this experience and I was blinded for three days and like they, they, they weren't there. They didn't see it.
0: Yeah. And how easy would it be somebody be for somebody who's trying to get you to be like, oh, I'm on your
1: side. Yeah. Now. Hey, Let come here. In. Let but me spirit, in. No spirit. Like the yeah. Bible says that spirit yeah. bears Absolutely. witness, right? That we're sons of God. I would know when I'm across you, but they didn't know that at the time. It was fresh for them, right? It wasn't something that was practiced, and this is written, and now we kind of know. We're we're learning from what their issues were, their mistakes were, right? And I was reading Corinthians, and we were talking about, like, how was Paul a leader? And we're going to talk about different ministries and stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, And this is 2 Corinthians 11, verse 9, and I'll kind of read and kind of break it apart, and you can kind of help me with this. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. I didn't burden any of you. For the brothers who, claim, who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. He left himself without blame. He was mm-hmm. always like, you know, if I'm with you, and I'm, I'm not going to put that on you, man. This is my need. Right now, other people came and that's God. They provided for Macedonia. It's amazing. But I'm not going to put that on you. Why? Because I don't want you to have gainsay against the Lord, that yeah. God can take care of his kids. And it's totally true. I feel that way with self-evident a lot. And I... I just had a conversation with a with one of my friends, and he's one of our board members, and he's he's also a, a helper and a donor. I always start off my conversation. We have to have a hard one. Hey, man, I have to have an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> you know, I hate asking. I hate you know, I hate doing needs. You know, God always provides, but there's this balance, right? If they, how, how are they going to know if I don't ask, right? But here, he's like, dude, God will provide, but I didn't want to be a burden to you. And I've always felt that I don't want to be a burden to people. Now they'll they'll tell me all day, I'm you know, I'm not a burden to them, right? That they do want to help but it just feels that way i yeah. can see where he's coming from and again he came from persecuting the christians so of course he had to he had to have a better a better witness and uh, go ahead Are you gonna say his,
0: yeah his his whole his focus was look i'm not going to give you anything any ammunition i'm not going to give anybody any ammunition against what i'm doing right you know i can work with my own two hands and right. he talks about that look I'm, I'm working with my own two hands I to earn can do my it. way i you know there's a reason the bible says do not muzzle the ox while he treads the grain right and, and paul uses this and says there's a reason that's in there. It's spiritual. Like you, you can allow people to gain financially from the work that they're doing spiritually because, hey, bro, I gotta eat. But Paul went to them and said, I'm not even doing that with you because I don't want you to have anything against me. I want I want the word of Christ to be the only thing you can gain from me. That's right. Everything else that's right. out. Door, That's right. That's right? right.
1: And I think, too, it's like the Bible says that let your ministry be without blame or blameless, right, in the, in the King James, if you, if you know that one. Here's, here's where it continues. It says this. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. It says, and why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. He said, and what am I doing? And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission work that they're doing the same terms as we do. Yeah. Right, So what he's saying is, I'm not going to let anybody speak against God's ministry. My mission, whatever I'm doing, I'm not going to let anybody have a, a, a gainsay. It says this, For such men are false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Now, watch this. This is really, really good. Here's where Paul becomes a better leader when he starts saying, not only do I have to keep my witness, not only, and I'm, not, I'm sure he's not doing it out of work. He's doing it because he just wants God not to be blamed. I'm keeping my witness. I'm trying to, to build a kingdom, right? He's building churches, and he's writing to the churches even now, Corinthians. His first letter was kind of a reproof. The second one's, okay, training, right? We're getting there. And he's, you know, with Timothy and all these other things, right? He's doing all these things. But then he goes into pastor mode in, in a sense, right? Not just Man. not just the, the possible, but he goes into pastor mode just for a second, says, but whatever anyone else uh, dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. And he's saying, look, I'm a man. I'm like, you want to boast? I'll boast, okay? He's like, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. He's like, I'm talking like a madman right now. I'm just going to tell you how stupid this is to boast on what you're doing. I'm sorry, this is how dumb it is to boast on the works that you do. I'm going to boast on my Jesus, right? He's like, I'm going to speak as a madman with far greater labors. Listen to this. He was right. He had far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings, often near to death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes except one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers and dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people dangers from the gentiles dangers in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers and toiling and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst often without food and cold and exposure and apart from other things there's this thing that's a daily pressure on me and it's the care of the churches <laughs> so he's dealing with all that stuff and he's trying to like not be blamed and people are boasting about their ministries and he's like dude I go through all that, but you know, what, you know what I really care about? The churches. Yeah, I care about their health. He's empowering them. He's a pastor right here. He's going to empower them and say, look, I'm caring about you. And he says, who is weak? Am I not weak? Who's made to fall and I'm not indignant? Right? It's him. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is blessed forever. He knows that I'm not lying.
0: And... I think that's a such a strong sign of a strong leader, and I'm gonna that actually matches perfectly cool. with what I've got Acts 14, um, and this is an example of that in real life of Paul's focus on the vision, on the mission, focus on his goal, which was the proliferation of the gospel, and so if you look at Acts 14, starts in verse 19, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barba, Bar, Barnabas sorry, to Derbe. Yeah. Notice what he did, and I want to, I want to pull this part a little bit. So he, he has people come against him. And they get all the crowds against him. They stone him and drag him out of the city, supposing he's dead. So obviously, the guy ain't moving. He's dead, they think. While the disciples are standing around him, basically like, we're screwed. It's it's almost kind of an image of right after Christ gets crucified, all the disciples kind of scatter, and and they're all, okay, we're screwed, we're done. And so they just kind of go back to fishing. This is kind of that moment of like, do we keep going or are we done? Are like, we, is, yeah, this, we, is this is this over? What do we do? He gets back up and he goes back into the city. And I, I was telling Massey earlier, like this shows so many levels of leadership because it speaks to the people who stoned him, and it says, "You're not going to take me out." That's right. You're not going to be wow, able to do this. What a testimony! I'm dude. coming back. That's a leader. It also speaks to them of saying, "You're not going to do this to my followers either." Because God will raise us back up and we'll keep going. You are not going to kill this message by stoning us. Wow. Sorry. Give up. And it also speaks to the disciples who were right at that pinnacle moment of like morale is done. Yeah. Was it flee or fight? Yeah. Fight or flight. Yeah. Fight or flight. Him standing up and going back into the city said to all of his disciples. Wow. Keep going. Wow. We're we're not going Amen. to give up. We're Damn not going to be knocked down, right? And so when he goes through, I, I receive lashings five times, shipwreck three times, you know, what like, have dude, you? I've been through this. I've been through this. I keep going. Why? Because it's the vision that's more important to him than the, the, the tally marks of the scars. And a lot of times what you get is you get somebody who's more focused on the tally marks of the scars and the tally marks of the achievements than they are on the goal. And what happens then is the person gets misdirected. And what you were talking about in your scripture was Paul was, was going against these guys who were using the tally marks of the achievements, right? Oh, we're yep. great. We're doing this. We're doing that. He's like, dude, that's, I have gone good, through dude. all of this, but what I care about are you guys. And it's the same thing going through the scars, right? There, we have people who they they live on how much have I gone through? How much have I, have I suffered from? And it almost, we've turned it, you know, especially in this culture, I'm going to talk to kind of the victim culture Please. mentality. We give points to people for being a victim. That's right. Right? Isn't how true? How, how much crap have you been through? How many times have you been falsely arrested or, or discriminated against or, you know. Which may be through? true. It may be true. But now we're choosing those people to be our leaders. We're saying, oh, well, you've, you've gone through all this, so you've got to be a leader. Well, hold on. Have they gone through that and continued on with the vision, being single-minded about their mission and vision, or have they gone through that and they're rising up on the back of that event? It's, it's and continuing subtle, to but teach people to be a victim. Exactly. It's like you're going to be oppressed and you're going to be stoned, and and that's where your power lies. No, Paul wasn't saying my power lies in the fact that I was stoned and and shipwrecked and beaten and all that. He was saying, despite all that, that's right. My power is Christ. That's right. He
1: never said that because I'm a victim, he said, for, uh, what's the scripture when he says, uh, uh, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your victimhood? Yeah. Because you feel attacked? No, it's made in weakness. Yeah. I can't do what he's telling me to do. Sometimes I don't have the strength. Sometimes I don't have the words. Sometimes um, there's a lot of situations, probably like family, money, whatever, can hold you back. But it's the power of Christ that, man, dude. It's the power of God that moves you to do what you're called to do. It's the power of God that can stand on your behalf. And I think, too, what happens is, uh, speaking to that victim mentality in Philippians, um, this is Paul writing to the Philippians. He said this in chapter 3, verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Listen to that. I'm not a victim. I'm Jesus now, man. I'm Christ representative on earth i'm of christ i'm the, i'm a i am born again of an uncorruptible seed i'm not corruptible anymore right there's nothing victim about me jesus wasn't a victim he never took on the the, the person mm-hmm. of a victim he could never have been a spotless lamb if he was a victim yep. right here's here's what it says Brother, brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but this one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Listen to that. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Not immature, not victims. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything, if you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. They attained the testimony of Christ, man. They saw the, you just said it, they saw the power of God. They knew that within themselves they couldn't do it. Dude, when you have angels busting you out of prison, there's something to be said about that. They yeah. could have easily said, well, here it is. It's the end. We're done. I'm in prison right now. And here comes the angel because they were praising God, right? Busting him out of prison. Yeah. This is crazy.
0: Uh, it, this just came to mind. You were talking about that. Um, somebody had pointed out to me the, the position that John the Baptist was in when he was in yeah. prison. And he sends his disciples out to Christ. And the disciples are sent with basically the question Are you really the Christ? Because John was in a position that he didn't think he was going to be in. He was sitting in jail. Well, wait a second, I was the messenger. This, is, this was supposed to be the Christ, the Messiah. Oh, wow. Now I'm sitting in jail. Wow. Something went wrong here, right? And, and not to say that John wasn't a great leader. That's not what I'm saying. But you notice that, that moment of weakness of like, it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. Yeah. Wait, are, are you really the Christ, the Messiah? There, there was a wavering But had he of, not
1: been in prison, it would have created... I promise you, it would have created a conflict between absolutely. believers. Absolutely. It was almost like the Lord. And I'm not saying the Lord caused him to die. What I'm saying is how it was orchestrated. Yeah. Right? It's like this guy goes to jail for calling out sin, right? Yeah. He called it out.
0: Um, Herod's wife called her an adulteress. Jeez. You know how... And did you notice John even said I must become less so he can become greater? Exactly. And I don't think he understood the prophecy of those words. But well, most of us and, don't, you know. And and yeah, it's it's not a condemnation on him, but I I think he didn't realize he was actually speaking that prophecy over himself. Look, I've got to become less so he, so Christ can become greater. I think you're right. Of like, in a way, God was like, okay, I, we've got to fade John out. So that there's no division of understanding of what's going on here. Amen, dude. You know, and and I I still believe John was a great leader. Of course, Christ Christ had nothing but good things to say about him. But he, as a leader, he had this moment of like, am I am I is this was I wrong on this? Yeah, right. I totally get it. Leaders go through that. Yeah, and they really do. And God vindicates. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like you
1: can have those doubts, but if you're doing what the Lord's called you to do, and those situations arise. God has to be the one to vindicate you. He yep. has to be the one that can be your, your your glory. He has to be your encourager, which leads to another point. Paul was a great encourager. So was Jesus, right? That Jesus would constantly affirm his disciples, constantly mm-hmm. pour into them, right? That they're of the seed of Christ, that he was called, they, they were called of God and all these things. And Paul goes to Timothy in chapter 1, uh, 2 Timothy 1. And because I want to get to that. I want to I want to say what you're saying. John the Baptist was a great leader because, dude, you don't have scores of people going to a, to a forest listening yeah. to you preach. Yeah. If you're not a leader. Yeah. And healing people and, and, and getting people baptized. And absolutely. Dude, you're a leader. People are following, you know, a great leader by the following. Right. Yep. You know, a leader. And I'm not saying they're all great. Right. But, you know, a leader who's got the leadership gift who by people who follow. And we know the examples of the bad, examples of the good, right? He was a great leader. Absolutely. But Paul says to Timothy, and this is where his exhortation comes in. So I want to get to the exhorter too. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice how Paul went from an apostle to a father. Mm -hmm. He went from, okay, I'm just leading churches to, no, this is my son. Like, he's my child. Like, I'm going to take this on. He's... My protege, right? He's one of my proteges. I'm teaching this kid, you know? I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly my prayers day and night, I remember your tears, and I long to see you that you may be filled with joy. Dude, you can't not be a pastor here. Yeah. This is just the, the, the detail, right? I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God inside of you, he says, "Which is in you through the laying on the hands of, of my hands." Uh, verse seven says, "For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control." So he's like exhorting him, "Dude, don't go into fear. Like, yeah. remember that gift that was put in you. Remember what's in you, man. Like, push forward, dude. He didn't give you fear, power, love, and self-control, dude. Go for it. You know, you do it. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of my Lord. Don't or, or, nor me nor of me as prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling." Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, right? And and which now has been manifest through his appearing of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, you know? And then he goes on to exhort him, like, that, that your salvation, he abolished death, Christ abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And he, Paul said, I was appointed a preacher of that, right? So he's exhorting him, dude, don't fall back, don't shrink back, move forward. So there's times where a leader needs to exhort too, like, John the Baptist, yeah. he needed to be affirmed. This is the Christ. Yeah. That was an affirmation. You're going to jail. You're in prison because of the Christ you preached.
0: And, and what you know? was Christ's re- Christ's response to John, right? If you remember, it was the, the blind are, are being healed, the, the sick are being healed, right? You know, the lame walk. Be encouraged, bro. Be encouraged. Like, hey, I'm here. I'm the guy. You, you can. You, you, you did your duty. Yeah, it, it really was kind you, of you like a, a, a king or a general yep. saying like, you have done exactly what you need to do. Dude. And What a, what a way all, to go. All heaviness wow. of like rest in peace. Dude, that's that right? moment of well done. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Dude, he did it. John the Baptist did it. Yeah.
1: Like I've never seen the side of John the Baptist. And we're talking about it. It's like, can you imagine? I mean, you, you, you're you preaching one minute. It's like you're anointed, right? At six months in the womb, you're jumping and leaping. Yeah. Jesus comes around, right? You're just like, you know, from a young age, you are called to preach the gospel, you know, like um, that's sold out, man. Right, and people are like, "We need more John the Baptist." Like, dude, are you willing to go to jail?
0: Yeah. Are you willing, willing to willing, die for the faith? Willing to die, get your head cut off. You know what for I mean, this? dude?
1: This is real. Like, yeah. it's real. Like Jesus. Like, oh, I want to follow in the footsteps. Uh, okay. <laughs> are, are you, you sure? willing to be sacrificed, dude? Are you willing to be called names? Are you willing to give up those things, like your father and your mother? I mean, this might happen where people are going to turn against you. Are You willing to go through it? Yeah. Are you willing to go through that stuff? I'm not saying you will. I'm saying, are you willing to go through it? Yeah that's a
0: question and dude, for and anybody so many people are willing to are are they'll say yes of course I am it's dangerous that that's dangerous words to be saying it is because dude. you know the, the james and john the right the mother comes to christ and says you know they should sit at your right and left hand and christ <laughs> goes look i can I don't choose who sits right but are you sure you want them to drink of the cup that I'm drinking of? And she had Dude. no grasp of what he was about to go through. Dude, that's a great you know? point, bro. And like that is solid a point. And so people, when they look at a leadership, they go, I wanna, I wanna have that, I want to be a part of that. Do you actually understand what it means to go through that? And I know a lot of leaders bro. will say that and people will hear it as like, Oh, you're just you're just putting me off. There's still such such honor and greatness in being this leader and being remembered but you have to really look at are you willing to go through what you have to go through in order to get the goal right. done and that's the big thing is the great leaders are the ones who no matter what came against them continued the vision and the goal to get it finished oh that's good
1: dude that's right. good that's good and this is all part of a series of leadership like i'd really so our pastor today did a thing on the gifts the ministries i would love to do that with him yeah. i have him come in and just talk about that because this is good stuff for us Um, we're always learning. Like, I always want to say like, we're learning like how to be better leaders. I, I, I certainly don't have it figured out. Um, but we're trying to lead people in the best way we know how, because we're being led of something greater than us, which is the Lord. Right. And that like, we have no gain in this. Like, I don't have a gain bone in this. Like, um, the podcast is something that we do because we can't travel like we used to. But it's such a fun place for us to get our ideas out mm-hmm. to to those of you that watch. Thank you so much uh, for watching. But um, it, it's greater than us. It's greater than this, man. Like this is just a, a stepping stone. This is just a piece of the pie, if you will. Other people need your leadership. Other people mm-hmm. need what you have in the body or in our country. If you're a politic guy. uh I'm starting to realize, you know what? I'm going to keep flowing my lane. I'm a good historian guy. I like history, and I like telling people about history. What do I know about politics? I hate it. I think politics today is so perverse from where we were originally in the Constitution. It's like, how do I fix this? I don't know. I still don't have clarity on that. I don't. I mean, I can give you steps, and I think we should all run for mayor and all those. Those are practical things, but I'm still grasping, like, Lord, how are you going to change a nation? How are you going to change a nation? I don't know. I'm still figuring that out right now. And it's easy to point out scriptures if my people, which are called by my name and all these other things. But it's like, dude, people are praying everywhere. What are you going to do? You know, so like I don't have all the answers. But here's what I do know. I have answers for character. Like we can all be uh, a character driven people. I think as leaders, we have to be character driven. We can't let people point out uh, stupid things that we do. Right. If I'm online, I'm even cautious to post things like you ever notice our posts don't make fun of people. Like it's easy for the right to do that. Oh, look, at stupid, crooked Joe Biden and. Uh, look at stupid Hillary, crooked Hillary, whatever. Look at all these things. We don't do that because what character is built in that? Where's the leadership built in that? There's no leadership being built in who and in, in what you think lead uh, in, in, in driving down someone else. That's called a bully, or, or, or that, that's called a jerk, actually. Um, and Jesus never did that. Jesus never had to do that. Um, only when people came against him, and it, because of Herod, he called him a fox. But even then, it was like. Those things weren't done so that we could do them. We were supposed to be kindly affection towards one another. And sometimes I think uh, as a leader or leaders in general, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of, hey, I'm going to exalt myself above that person, so let me make fun of them. We just posted something on Joe Biden. He couldn't quote the, the Declaration of Independence, will these truths be self-evident? I even posted in there, I'm not doing this to make fun of him. What scared me was is if you can't just articulate your position, and he's been gaffing a lot. Trump's done it too. I'm not saying he hasn't done it. But he's been gaffing a lot. And it's like, dude, are you guys sure this is your guy? Are you sure this is who you want? Um, A guy that can't get his words straight and all these things. Guys, politics is crazy to me. But here's what we can do as Christians. You can hold and maintain your integrity. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. And and that's the easiest thing to do. I've failed there so many times, and that's why I hate it. Because it's burned me so many times. And and I have burned people, and I don't like that. And when I was younger, it was easy for me to say, I'll do that, and I'll forget, and I don't do it. You can maintain your character as well. Do you hold yourself to a higher standard than everyone else, yourself, before you hold anybody else, before you can point out anything else in anybody? When we read Scripture, this is for your edification and, and for your benefit. The gifts were made for that reason, it says in Corinthians and Ephesians. It was made to perfect the church and perfect the saints. The whole point of character is, do you practice what you preach, and do you preach what you practice? That's character. Can, are, are you the same person you are in the dark, that you are in light? You know, those are character-driven things, and that's what we're trying to teach out of this whole leadership training uh, and teaching is there's something greater than just talking about biblical principles. Do you live them out, and do you have the fruit, and is the power of God in that fruit to transform other people? That's the question. Absolutely.
0: There's no better leader than a person who is fulfilling those standards and those attributes and those characteristics, right? So when you want leadership because a lot of people want to be leader. And that that's something yeah. that Todd's talked about is like, oh everybody yeah. wants to be a leader. Oh yeah. Right. And, and my Melissa actually like nudged me when Todd had said that, she's like, I don't want to be a leader. <laughs> I'm like, but, but at least she but you are. It, right? <laughs> yeah. And she recognized it. I'm more, I'm proud of her of like, I would rather follow, but, <laughs> but she, yeah, she understands herself. She understands absolutely like the, the weight and the burden of becoming a leader. But there's also a a beautiful um, reward for it as well. The thing is, like, we're doing this in order to help people kind of get a guideline and a compass of what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean in your community, in your church, in your your school, your group, whatever? What does it mean to lead people? Because a lot of times we think, oh, it's just me enforcing my orders on other people and them getting in line and submitting. That's more of a tyranny. Truth. That's a dictatorship. That's not leadership as, as we're defining it. What we're defining is somebody who has a vision or a mission, right? And ultimately it's the gospel. It's Christ, right? Are we pointing people to Christ or not? If you look at it in a monarchy type situation, right. Christ is our king. Totally. So the best you can be in Christ's kingdom is one of his generals. Yeah. And and, and that's sorry, to interrupt, that's no, go ahead. that's possible. You can absolutely be one of his generals, but guess what? You have to be one of the most single-track minds of Christ's mission and Christ's vision. And not just, oh, I think Christ needs to be proclaimed, but actually loving and having relationship with him and knowing yep. his vision and yep. mission for the world.
1: That's right. I think, too, William Blackstone, I was reading this earlier. I was just going through all these things because I'm doing this thing on Pursuit of Happiness. We're going to be in Texas next week, guys. So we'll let you know how that goes. We'll do some clips and stuff. But uh, he, he was talking about the creator. He was talking about God, right? And this is what he said. Considering the creator only a being of infinite power, uh, he was uh, he was able unquestionably to have prescribed whatever laws he pleased to his creature man, however unjust or severe. But as he also is a being of infinite wisdom, he laid down his uh, such laws to, to, for wisdom. But then he says here, he's not only an infinite being of wisdom and power, but an infinite wisdom, power, and goodness. So... Christ isn't a tyrant. No. I, this is what I don't understand about the world. It's like, man, there's laws and laws and laws, but you want to prescribe more laws on people for them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. You're forcing your stuff on me, like you say that I do with religion. Like, I don't want to believe the way you believe. I don't, I don't like it, right? I'm talking, to, I'm talking to the direct left here, the socialist, Marxist, communist-type thinking mindset, right? The agenda-driven, we're going to teach kids how to have their own sexuality, all this other stuff. Dude, that is an abomination, Before the Lord. It doesn't you can hate me for that. I don't care. It is you are literally teaching kids to deny the creator God who created them for his purpose. You are taking that and dude, Jesus was explicit. If you lead one of these little ones astray, it would be better for a millstone to be put around your neck and you were cast into the sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. That is dangerous stuff. You're you're treading on dangerous ground. That is not leadership if you think you're being a leader. Mm-hmm. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying a nation. And one day you're going to sit up on your, on, your, on your bed one day dying. You're going to be like, man, what did I do? Your conscience will always catch up to you. Let always.
0: Me, let's, let's weigh this out, going with that thread, just for a quick second. The, the ultimate result of that type of thought process is the achieval of pleasure. The achievement of desire. Which people confuse for happiness. Which people confuse for happiness. Now, what's the ultimate achievement of following Christ? True contentment and fulfillment. Not the fulfillment of desire and pleasure and passion, but the the fulfillment and enrichment of principle, of mm-hmm. character, yep. right? Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Ooh. generosity, self-control. Those are much different from sexual fulfillment. Yep. Right. And, and sexual pleasure and 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 I'm not not trying to speak this from a super traditional neoconservative Baptist point of view. I'm just saying, look, find the end goal of the movement and decide what is really the end goal of this movement. And don't don't just go world domination because hey, every movement wants to have control or domination or. Um, a flourishing. Let's put it that way. Every, every movement wants a flourishing, but look at the end result of the goals that they have. So what I'm putting forward is this whole sexual revolution, this teaching kids that, you know, sexuality and, and whatever gender you want to be. One of the goals is this pleasure fulfillment, this desire fulfillment, this passion fulfillment, right? Yep. But there's no concept of, fulfillment of increased generosity, increased peace, increased patience, increased self-control, right? Whereas Christ, that's where the end goals are. Right, that's right, where right. the fulfillment that, is, dude, the, you nailed the it. fruits, right? I
1: literally typed that out because like that hits so well with the pursuit of happiness thing. Yeah. The, like
0: people confuse
1: like they think it's the pursuit of pleasure. Yeah. Not the pursuit of happiness. That's a way different concept. You know, because pleasure's temporal, happiness is eternal. That's what John mm-hmm. Locke said. Happiness is an eternal thing. Temporal pleasures never get you eternal happiness.
0: They just don't work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we're using the word happiness in the way that it's supposed to be defined. Ooh, that's... Dude. Right? Because Ooh. nowadays happiness is used Man, as just like you got me, dude.
1: You got me now.
0: Turn, right? But the <laughs> happiness good. they used was the fulfillment of virtue. That's really and good. character.
1: That's really good, dude. dude. Oh, wow. That's good. So in this whole... Again, the whole topic is just to develop leadership. We're still going to keep doing this, I think, next week. It'd be cool to have Pastor Todd on, Um, really, because this is a guy who ran manufacturing plants and all these other things, got into ministry. You know, he had some successful church plants and things like that, but he'll tell you all of his failures. He'll tell you where he messed up. does it with me all the time. Man, you know why I do this? Because I've failed there so many times. You know, like he'll warn me about things. I'm like, really? How'd you know that, man? It's like, dude's smart. And it just, he failed so many times. He knows what it's like to hit the roadblocks. And there's just also common sense things. You don't yeah. need to. You don't. You don't need to put your hand in a piranha tank to know that piranhas bite. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, don't be stupid. <laughs> so there's obviously, there's obviously wisdom things and just discernment, the spiritual quickening that he just quickened by. So God's also got favor there. But dude, it'd be cool to have him on and other mm-hmm. leaders, and um, that's
0: the whole purpose of this thing, you know? Yeah. So guys, we hope you're edified by this. We hope you learn something. We hope it creates questions, and we want you to pose those questions, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube. You know. Let us know. Talk to us. Um, once again, Massey, you're going to be in Texas. I am going to right? be in Texas. When
1: and where? So starting the 9th, which is tomorrow, we're flying into um, Arlington, that Arlington area. We're going to be in North Richland Hills, Texas at the True Texas Project. Also, we're going to be in Denton County. at the uh, There's another True Texas Project, which I think is a great group. Um, they used to be the Tea Party, I think, um, and they just broke off. And it's like, you know what, this isn't about politics. It's about what's right and wrong and constitutional. So they formed yeah. this thing called True Texas. And I... I mean, when I was there last year, I spoke into him. I'm like, dude, I see this all over the country. I see chapters. I mean, these guys are—they're the real deal, dude. Like, they're the real deal people. Cool. And and Julie is there. And then also too, we're gonna be at the Great Homeschool Convention in um, Fort Worth, so it's gonna be fun, man. We're gonna be there for three straight days. So especially,
0: especially you know, go to the True Texas Project dates. We've got them up on the website. Yep. Also, yep. make sure to make it out to the homeschool convention. Please, they need your support. And and stop by the booth, say hi to Massey, buy some merch. Do what you got to do. Support your right? boys. Um, also, share this out with people. Share these podcasts. Let people know about it. Say, hey, there's this cool, new, hip, young, awesome podcast you got to listen to. Dashing. Yeah. His name's Joe Rogan. Um, oh! <laughs> oh, man. I Come on, Joe, shout out. Yeah, Joe, we have us on. To, we listen to you, we Joe. We love you, man. We do. We, we listen may, to you. We may disagree on some stuff, but man, you, you got a good head on your shoulders.
1: So. I, I I love to listen to him. Yeah, I think you know, interesting. It is interesting to hear some of his stuff. We're not against it, man. I'll yeah. listen to anybody. You Absolutely. Know, you, you filter, so.
0: So, anyways, thank you so much, guys, for listening to podcast number 58. Again, I'm Mike. This is Massey. What's up? Hope you guys have a great night. Love you. Love you guys.